Welcome, you're listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. Hi there. My name is... It sounds like... You didn't have to say it. I know, but it was there. It reminds me of um, in Madagascar when the lion, Alex, he walks up to the little thing. Hi there. He's like, Anyways, I'm Sarah. I am Samuel. Um, who is my baby bubba. And today we're going to be discussing the nature of God on the Remaining in the Vine podcast. So we're going to provide kind of a list of his attributes that somewhat summarize who he is. But then we're more so going to go into depth about or four, right? Four of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first, before we even get to the list, we just want to stress the importance of why we study God's nature. Because a lot of the time you'd think that most people just kind of, I don't know, there's not a big focus on that, uh, per se. Would you agree with me? that? Yeah, I think if you think about like any sermons that you might have heard recently, or even in like a Bible study you've done and you just open it up and you're reading about Jonah and you're like, man, Jonah, you're so stubborn. Or you can read something in the New Testament about a letter that Paul is writing to a church and you're like, wow, yeah, Paul, you really need to say that. Like sometimes we're not thinking about God's nature even when we're reading his mm-hmm. word. And even when people like like Jonah's being focused on or like Job, how Job is being focused on, everything that happens in the Bible does reflect onto who God is. Even when it's only, when it seems that it's only focusing on a particular person and like their mistakes that reflects onto who God is. I think similarly, that is our life lives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read some book that I'm sure the title will come to me later. And I think the first words of the entire book, and I remember reading it like when I was younger and I was just reading it to read it. And it just said, life is not about you. And I was a teenager in high school, so naturally I was offended. (laughs) And I was like, I'm sorry. It's my life. You know, what I choose to do on a daily basis, the friends I want to hang out with, the sports I want to play, the music I listen to. Like, this is all things that I want to do. So how does that make any sense? Right. And honestly, it shook my world reading that first sentence of the book. And as I read the rest of the book, it was talking about how life is about God. So similarly, like when we read the Bible and we're sometimes focused on Jonah, Job, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. God is using those people to communicate to us something about his nature. Remember, everything is to glorify him. Correct. And so similarly in our lives, he's using us and he's using experiences and people in our lives as well to bring it back to him, to reveal more about his nature, to glorify him. And so if we get lost in the details as we often do, then... We miss it. You're right. Yeah. And I think uh, one very important thing that uh, you and I love to do is right, remembering that phrase ad fontes, mm-hmm. which is Latin for back to the source. A big part of the Reformation where the Catholic Church had strayed from actually teaching the Bible and Martin Luther walked up and said, hey, guys, this is kind of what Romans actually means. And what we like to what Sarah and I love to do is always focus on the Bible when we have these questions like, why do we study God's nature? <clears throat> So the first part, uh, the first thing that I want to cover is 1 John 4, 8, uh, which reads, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
So I think if we really like look at the at those words <laughs> in First uh, John four eight, we can see that in order to truly love, whether it's somebody else or to truly love God, we have to know who God is because God is love. So it's kind of a circle here, a Sugar little bit. Dude. I know, yeah. <laughs> and so in reality, it means anybody who nobody really knows how to truly love unless if you actually know who God is. Because the, the only way that you can get the knowledge of love, because God is love, is by knowing God. And again, that doesn't mean that you're not going to mess it up. Oh, absolutely. Because um, yeah. we're humans and we sin. But it does mean that you know you've messed up because you know what love is, mm-hmm. because you have a relationship with God and you know who he is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, if we look at Titus chapter 1, verse 16, uh, Paul writes, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable disobedient unfit for every good for any good work ouch <laughs> uh yeah that is a pretty rough one right and i think paul's point is pretty clear that if we profess to know god to know and love god as christians our works should reflect that and our works which is not what we rely on for salvation right if we if you read james you see that faith is truly what saves and that faith without works is dead so works should be involved but they are not the pinnacle of how we are saved right but if our works should reflect the fact that we know and love god that means that we should want to know god more and more so that our works can correctly glorify him and lift him up you look like you want to say something yeah i thought it was actually interesting reading this for like the 18th time (laughs) <laughs> they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. And then you were saying, you know, if we profess to know and love God, but that's not what it actually says. It says they profess to know God and deny him by their works. So it, it's so interesting because he's saying, if you know God, if you truly know God, then obviously you would love and you would work for him. And you would never deny him by your works true yeah because you know him mm-hmm. but if you're just saying yeah i know god and then your works aren't showing that then you're detestable disobedient blah blah blah, blah. but if you truly know him this implies if you actually know him then obviously you love him and obviously you're going to work for him so he actually doesn't say anything about loving god but knowing god i think implies loving god because you can't get to know god and then be like, oh, that's not for me. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah, to truly know God. Because there are people who say, like, I've read the scriptures and it's not for me. And I'm like, well, mm. you didn't really read the scriptures. Because if you read the scriptures and saw who God is, you would never turn that away. You would never turn him away. <clears throat> My next passage, uh, pretty short. Uh, and it actually very easy to remember. So I would encourage you to try and remember this one because it's pretty convicting as well ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 paul writes therefore be imitators of god as beloved children that's all he leaves it at so how am i supposed to imitate god how am i supposed to imitate someone that i know nothing about uh, it's not possible i can't do it i would have to know that person and like know their nature and who they are so in the same case here how am i to be an imitator of God as Paul tells me to be if I don't know anything about him this the lack of knowledge of God means that I simply cannot imitate him which means that I cannot follow the Bible correctly so Hmm. it's like we're stuck in this situation of if you don't 
study God's nature, I can't grasp how we can truly, you know, follow God's commandments if we don't really, if we, if we don't study his nature, because it says it right here, be imitators of God, but I cannot imitate God if I don't know anything about him or if I misunderstand him. So lastly, <clears throat> the Christian life is, you know what, that's not a good transition, but <laughs> the Christian life is about faith and trust in God. So how can I trust someone that I don't know? And if I don't know him, therefore I don't trust him, therefore do I even have faith? Does that follow for you? I I don't I think I need a drawing. <laughs> do you you got one on the back burner? <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to think, of, think about it. Well, I mean actually yeah, now let me think about okay, it. Okay, let's see, let's see. Let's see if we can You need faith and trust in God mm-hmm. as a Christian. If you do not know God you don't know who it is who you're supposed to faith and trust then you can't really trust in that person and if you're not really trusting in that person no no i think faith would come first you can't really have faith in somebody who you don't know and therefore if you don't have faith in somebody if you don't even believe in that person then you can't really trust in them so i think it goes no faith trust that's just my so no faith no trust is what you're saying Oh, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no with a K. Oh. No. Faith. Trust. You need to know God. Have faith oh, in him I'm and grasping trust it. Him. I'm yeah, grasping okay. it. Okay. I'm getting my cause <laughs> yes. and effect, my flow chart. Yep. I'm uh, picking up what you're putting down here. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of scripture to defend the somewhat obvious point, although many times overlooked. That we should know God and study who he is. Um, So that also implies that if we should be doing that, what happens if we don't? What are some dangers of not studying or even like studying it, but then, you know, just kind of reading, you know, when you've read something, but you're like, wait, what did I just read? Mm -hmm. So even if you are studying, also understanding what's the danger of not understanding God's character and his nature. And then how can that affect our faith, like what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Right. I think um, a big part of how it can affect us due to, like, if we don't study God's nature, if we do it incorrectly, is in the grand scheme of things, we are here to glorify God, right? That's what you said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The, the sole purpose is so that we can honor and glorify God. But if we have a misunderstanding of who God is, even when it comes to worshiping him, If I cannot, if I don't know who I'm worshiping and I'm just saying the words of some worship song or I'm thinking like, oh, this is who God is, you know, in my head, but I don't, but it's, it could be totally and completely incorrect. Then it's not really a true and correct worship of God. It actually is idolatry where, you know, in the Old Testament, a bunch of the Philistines, the Canaanites, who else? There's a lot of them out there who just all had their, um, Baal. Why was I going to, I was going to say Baalites. That's not a thing. (laughs) Um, But the people who worship Baal and all these people, right, they are worshiping complete and total idols. They're completely wrong. They're not true. Nothing about them is actually factual. And we can be guilty of the same thing of worshiping an idol if we have a misunderstanding of who God is. Because we're not, if I don't understand him and I'm just trying to worship him, but I, since I don't understand him, I don't really know who I'm worshiping. I don't know if what I'm saying is correct or if what I'm saying correctly describes him or anything like that. Then I don't know who I'm worshiping at all. 
Mm. So, for example, because that's a really, really good point, and I can think of a couple of people, um, and I'm sure I'm also guilty on certain occasions, um, of this particular danger mm-hmm. of not knowing who God is. Um, but I'm trying to think of an example. So, like, let's say you wrote a book, and I don't know you. You wrote this book, and I did not have time to read it, because let's face it, I don't want to read your book. I have, I'm binging Stranger Things or whatever it is I'm doing. <laughs> so I don't read your book, and then I'm like, oh, man, I got to have this kid on my podcast. So you come in, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's dressed kind of nice. Um, I like his haircut. You come in, maybe you're bumping to some music. I'm like, oh, I like the beat of that. And so when I'm, like, talking about you on the podcast, I'm like, whoa, this kid is amazing. And he really cares about, like, looks and fashion. And he's, like, just a fashion icon. And let me talk about, like, his music. Like, he listens to some great music. Like, he's just overall a good guy, you know? Like, first impressions mean something. And he's just, like, really good. And let's say your whole book is about racism. And I didn't even read it. So I didn't know. And now what I've done is I have created this person, this version of you that doesn't exist based off of things that I see, based off of things that I feel, because I didn't take the time to actually read read the book and get to know you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking here. You're right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm not going to continue. But I think that... um, that is definitely something that a lot of people are guilty of. And yeah, I mean, you and I both where there are a lot of books on my shelf that I have not really actually completed reading or anything like that. And if I were to be in that position, it would be terrible. And how bad would that be to really completely miss the point on who somebody actually is? And let's say that that person is actually a good person, but the thing, maybe you're dressed bummy and maybe you're listening to like, country music sorry to anybody who likes country music but uh like and all this stuff and i'm like oh gosh this is like terrible like i can't believe i have this person on my podcast and i just kind of give him like a mediocre intro like this guy likes country music he um I don't know, doesn't really care what people think. I mean, by the way he dresses, I guess, you know, shrugging my shoulders about all this. And then he just comes out the gate swinging. And let's say we're talking about something like this, like the nature of God, and he's just hitting everything on the point and everything like that. My first perception of him has already tainted any of the words that he could possibly say to me. Where I think that, especially for man, like just humans in general, um... If I were to think that of somebody and then they were coming at me and telling me the truth and everything and maybe it's convicting me a little bit, my first instinct is to, oh my gosh, like this guy's totally wrong and like push you away. So now I've turned away something that can actually be good and beneficial for me because I did not understand who the person was. And in the same way, if we misunderstand who God is and we say God isn't for me or we say God is just angry all the time, he's mad at me and I, like, owe him something all the time, then whenever I read his Bible and I read about Christ's love and God's love for the Israelites, even in the Old Testament, after they betrayed him and turned away from him again and again and again, the only thing I'm ever going to see is, well, the Israelites did their best and God was like, oh, you guys failed me again. And now I've completely missed the point. Mm-hmm. And I think that that actually flows perfectly 
into like one of my points about like one of the dangers of not completely or accurately understanding who God is and his character um, is that we, as a result, if that is what we're doing, if we're not reading our Bible enough or if we're already reading it with, you know, that perspective or that lens or we're not just taking the time to just study and get to know him then we will misrepresent and also misunderstand Christ and the gospel and just scripture and God as a whole. Um, and that's a big deal. And I'm like, we kind of explained with our examples, there are those two kind of sides. You either have someone who doesn't read their Bible, so they kind of have the opportunity to create the God that they like. This God loves you no matter what you do. You know, you could do anything. You can commit tax fraud. You can abuse your children and he loves you. And, you know, that sounds very nice and sweet because he loves you. But if you read the Bible and you read about sin and you read about how much God hates sin, then you would actually see that that's incorrect. And then on the flip side, you have the other person, right, who already has this misconception of God or like, you know, because he doesn't know who God is or he or she doesn't know who God is. And then when they read it or they're finding out about it, they're already like turned off to it. So either way, we're misrepresenting who Christ is. Either way, I'm either preaching the wrong thing to people. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. You don't have to change who you are. You could keep sinning. God loves you. Or I could be like, bro, it doesn't even matter what you do. Either way, God is going to condemn you. You're never going to be good enough. Blah, 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 blah. So we can take things out of context, things that we don't even know, things that we are not willing to open up the Bible and read about, things that we feel, things that we've seen in society, things that we might have heard, things from our parents. Mm -hmm. These kinds of things can inform how we represent Christ, which is completely inaccurate. And the older you get, the more influence you have. That is just a fact. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even matter if you're not like a leader kind of person, if you're an introvert with age comes experience and with that some type of wisdom like either way someone's going to ask you a question and look up to you about something and, and you're going to have to answer it <laughs> and that's really a shame and i mean if you're a christian it's biblically a sin if you're misleading someone and you haven't done your due diligence by just opening up the bible and again like yeah covid happened and like churches were kind of freaking out but there were still like zoom bible studies there's still zoom bible studies like there's no excuse to not open up a bible and like um there's just so many versions of the bible being translated there's missionaries like god is god so <laughs> if he wants you to open up his word and get to know him you will yeah. so there's no excuse to not do that especially since you know remaining in the vine is a podcast for believers like you're called you are commanded to get to know him by reading his word um but similarly to that um you know for the second part of that question like what are the dangers of not knowing who god is and how does that affect our faith how does that affect our day-to-day -day life because those kind of examples that we um painted are extreme yeah, examples say. yeah so a non-extreme or just for any christian who struggles with this because we all do at some point um, especially if you're early in your faith. Um, so James 1, 5 through 8 um, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I know this seems somewhat (laughs) unrelated, but um, if you understood who God was, if you understood his power, if you understood that he is generous, if you understood that he is gracious, then there would be no doubt in your mind that God would give you wisdom, which is a good thing. So if you don't understand who God is, then you would doubt. So it's saying here that someone who doubts, someone who doesn't know who God is, is double-minded and unstable. So um, I think that is what you have to look forward to if you are a person who doesn't understand who God is and his character. You would be someone who is unstable in all of your ways, and that looks like fear anxiety, depression, temptations constantly who the temptations are probably winning, um, guilt that come with those, shame, cyclical sin, honestly, even legalism. There's just all of this unstableness in character and day-to-day life action and words that come from the result of just not knowing who God is. And I think that perfectly answers that question. So now we actually want to get into what is God's nature. So we talked about why we need to study it, what happens if we don't study or correctly understand it, but what actually is it? What is God's nature? Um, And before we give you the list that we were talking about, um, we can really only hope to give you a glimpse into the true glory of the nature of God in this episode there is so much to be found in the scriptures. So Amen. like you were saying earlier, at Fontes, just go back to the scriptures. I'm sure there's attributes here that we've missed. I'm sure not all of these summarize it. And to be quite honest, if you just go ahead and read Ecclesiastes, um, you know, to continuously search only theology without that, you know, added um, doxology, or to only study God without actually having the purpose or intent of worshiping God while studying him, um, we can actually lose sight of studying who he is. So we can try to study and like compile a list like how we have, um, and then kind of miss the glory of it all. And the point is that he is greater than our minds can even comprehend and fathom, which is awesome. Um, and so even our list here is not going to cover it all. We're never going to cover it. There's no one, no great pastor or philosopher or scholar who's read the Bible who can sum it up. And um, I once heard this quote, or actually, I don't know. It wasn't really a quote. There probably is a quote of it, though. (laughs) But on a Paul Washer teaching um, series that he does, he talks about how when Charles Spurgeon would preach the gospel, every single time that he ever preached it, right before he would give an apology and say, I will not do the gospel its justice mm-hmm. because of how glorious it is. And um, by how, just because of how glorious God is, I simply cannot portray this in the perfect way that it is meant to be portrayed. And that's how he would start. So, and Charles Spurgeon, a genius. So, like, 
that's just you know same here where we have this list and in general we can only hope to give you a glimpse of god's true and glorious nature um that being said yes that here being said. is a list of his attributes so we have that he is infinite slash eternal um immutable self-sufficient holy omniscient which means all-knowing omnipotent which means all-powerful omnipresent which means he is everywhere all places wise faithful good or righteous just merciful gracious loving and ultimately glorious um so i mean even from that list which again is i'm sure there's stuff we're missing but from that list i would say one that i really appreciate <laughs> thanks god <laughs> i really appreciate this attribute about him and i feel like i've been seeing it a lot more lately not that it hasn't always been there obviously um is actually his faithfulness i think back to my testimony and just things that i've done that are terrible and things that have happened to me that are terrible and just um you know going through high school wasn't always the best and looking back at it seeing how faithful God was through it all um he was just always there for me and he always protected me even when I specifically and maliciously just threw him under the bus I was I was fully aware of who God was and what he had done for me and I didn't want any part of it and I thought that I knew better and I did not, and yet he was still there for me, and even now, like, he's still hugging me and embracing me, and I don't have any guilt or shame to hang on to, and now that I'm in my, like, adult life, I see him continue to be faithful in so many ways when I, I can, like, be praying for something, and he will answer another prayer that I have not even verbalized. Like, this could be something that I'm thinking, like, I really wish this would happen, I've never talked about it to God. I haven't journaled about it. And then it happens. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even know that I really wanted that. And the way he's just been so faithful to me without me asking him to be is just so mind-boggling because I don't deserve it. And it's also life-changing when people aren't that way, right? I have so many people in my life that are have not been faithful to me. And then I have examples of me not being faithful to people, you know, saying that I'll be there for someone and then I'm not. I'm a terrible texter. Um, sometimes I'm not dependable. And he always is, no matter how many times I don't depend on him. And that's something that I don't ever want to take for granted or overlook. What's like one of your favorite or um, one, one that like stands out to you from the list? I think the one that really sticks out to me here is um, immutable. God's immutability. Um, cause immutable just means like unchanging just across the board. So God never changes. And when I think about my own life, I've gone through a lot of changes. Mm. Some of them from, <laughs> so we were just talking about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, some of them from good to bad, uh, like habits that I've picked up now that, I wish that I didn't have to, you know, struggle against, but also 
really bad like tendencies and just actions that I would consistently practice um, before Christ really changed my life. And then now seeing the huge change. And all throughout the time before um, Christ really just kicked in the door to my heart, there was nothing. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I just pictured like the Kool-Aid man. Like, poof. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Like, kicked into my heart. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You were saying when Jesus kicked into your heart. Anyways, back to my depressing life. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, when I think back to prior to when Christ uh, entered in my heart, my life was just completely riddled with a terrible and unstable foundation where it was a problem of I didn't know who I was. And because of that, uh, it just stretched over a lot of things towards like anger and towards um, immorality. And then also like the people that I would hang out with and everything. And all these things would come together all because of a unfirm foundation. And when that is... When now that I've like God has revealed himself as an immutable God, somebody who does not change ever, who's always reliable, who's always faithful, who is always good, who is always infinite, who is always all knowing, who is always just, who is always merciful, all these things just flat across the board. It gives me such great comfort to know that my God, he is already great. He was great before time began. He is great now, and he will be great forever. And um, the verse that comes to mind, just because I'm going through 2 Timothy right now, <clears throat> is 2 Timothy 2.13, which I swear I had a tab of it, and I don't know where it went. But um, in essence, it says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And hey, you're stealing my attribute. Whatever, man. All right. <laughs> I'm not the one who brought the Kool-Aid man into the conversation. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. Um, so that word remains just stays with me where he was faithful prior yeah. to my faithlessness. He is faithful now, even during my faithlessness. And farther along the road, when I know that I will eventually stumble and be faithless, he will still remain forever faithful. And that just gives such a firm... Whoa, I slapped my mic there. Um, he will give... That just gives such a firm foundation to any other attribute that I want to study about God. Because it is an objective fact that he is immutable. And that if it's true that he is faithful, then because of his immutability, I know that he will always be faithful. And for a world where everything is always changing for a world where definitions of words are changing and um, people are changing and then also traditions are changing and being thrown away and all these and values are being just drop kicked to the curb and uh, there's just so many things changing about this world we can as Christians rest in the in knowing the fact that God is the same yesterday today and tomorrow and forevermore and so that is one that really hits me quite hard <laughs> yeah i think yeah, I love that attribute as well. Um, one here on this list um, that I think is not really typical or one that I guess we really study, at least I have not, um, is that God is self-sufficient, which essentially means that he has no needs. Um, so 
John 5, 26 says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Which sounds kind of trippy, but essentially, like, he can provide because he has it all. We can ask from him because he can give it all. And I can ask unlimited, right? Back to that verse in James where it talks about asking for wisdom. Imagine one day you asked for wisdom and God was like, whoop, uh, actually we hit the limit on wisdom for today. <laughs> so how about some peace? Could I give you some peace? <laughs> so like, Could he... I interest you in a bit of mercy here? <laughs> but yes, let's be real. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Glad you really enjoyed your own scenario there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's something that we don't really like think about. And as selfish, prideful little humans that we are, we love to be needed. And um, right. we are kind of like, okay, great. God, like, what can I bring to the table for you? Um, I'm really good at leading. Like, what can I do, like, to lead? Because clearly you need someone to lead in the women's ministry. Clearly you need someone to talk to the youth today. So, like, I will take that. I'll, I'm going to do that for you. Okay, God, I'm going to do you a solid. But he's self-sufficient. He has no needs. Um, and I think for me, I am a like type A person. I am a stressful person. We were also just talking about this. Yeah, we were. <laughs> um, and I oftentimes need to like prove myself, even if it's not to like peers or coworkers or parents or whatever, even if it's just to like myself, like I need to prove to myself that I can do this or that I've earned the title to do whatever this is or I've earned the right to like talk to a certain person this way and I'm constantly trying to work and earn and be worthy of my identity as his daughter which is backwards he has given me this identity and because of that I can act the way that I do and so I think that this attribute of God that he is self-sufficient forces me to flip the way that I live, which is so hard because I want to do everything by myself. I want to be able to say, all right, God, thank you. But like, this is what I'm going to do for you. And he's saying, I actually don't need you to do that. And I've already equipped you with things so that you can bring me glory. Like just sit back and let me work. Through let me you. work, man. Yeah. So I think that's another one that sticks out to me. And even right now, like, I feel like I'm just being convicted the more I talk about it. So <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I guess you did too, and that means I'm going to do too. <laughs> so I pick wisdom. Well, anticipate another Kool-Aid reference. <laughs> Fine. Um, no, but really, the uh, if I were to choose another one, I mean, all of these are just amazing. And like I could talk for hours on any of these topics. Mm-hmm. And um, But the one, the next one that really sticks out to me here is, is wise. Because as a 19-year-old guy in 2022, there are a lot of times where I'm not wise with, you know, what I say, what I do, what I think. Like, there are so many ways in which I stumble in all of these areas. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not everywhere, so I'm not omnipresent. So just flat across the board, that's never going to happen, you know what I mean? But when it comes to when I really focus on wisdom, there are a lot of times where I am unwise. And there are a lot of times, definitely, before... Um, becoming a real Christian that I was just always unwise. And so seeing this contrast just always, you know, really puts God all the way up there, which is where he deserves to be. And so it just brings me to worship him more. But the, uh, the verses plural that come to mind here is Romans 11, 
33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Bruh. <laughs> Instead of bruh, a Kool-Aid reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm done. Okay. Um, you said you were going to get it in there, so I guess <laughs> it's the only way to do it. Um, but, I mean, just do I even have to say anything after that? To the point where he says, who has been his counselor? Nobody's counseled God. God's never been in a situation and just been like, I need to go, I need to check with my manager about how I should play this uh, this situation out. Or uh, who's given, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Like, oh my gosh, Sarah gave me so much leadership. Man, what am I going to get her for Christmas? Like, you know, and there's nothing about the, how inscrutable his ways. Like, it's above it's above my judgment. I simply cannot judge the way that God works because that is how wise he is to the point where things that, I mean, you look at the, the systematic theology of the old Testament into the new Testament, how the old Testament, everything is a shadow of Christ, a bunch of like all, everything that's happening is a shadow of Christ. Um, and then on top of that, the prophets are prophesying about Christ coming in the new Testament. And then, now in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, they're prophesying about revelation when Christ comes back a second time. All of these things are just like the flow of the Bible, how perfect and seamless it is, mm-hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. And that just shows just how wise God is. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, no, you're right. That's like, and that's, those are only just like four. And like you said, we could talk about all of these like for hours and those are our personal experiences i feel like there's so much scripture that also just reveals so much more about these attributes but um the four that we're gonna get into are his holiness and then the three omni words um but to describe his holiness i really like talking about this one because it is all over the scripture um and we know like we've said before, you have to read the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, like, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, um, it says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then if you fast forward in the Bible to the New Testament, actually, like, towards the very end, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Um, so a big theme that we're going to come back to is just like the three, the perfect number that's represented in the Bible. Holy, holy, holy. Right. Each right. time in these verses, it's repeated three times. Um, and so aside from the symbolism of that number and um, just the fact that it's being repeated might mean that it's important, right? We're getting a big look into God's character. This might be true. This <laughs> might be this might be something to take a look at. Right. Yeah. Um so to see this parallelism between verses that are in totally different parts of the Bible must mean that, you know, God is holy. Um but what does that really even mean? So the word holy 
means to be set apart. So um, R.C. Sproul says, when scripture calls God holy, it is speaking of everything that sets God apart from us. Um, and so this includes his acts of justice and mercy, which are two other attributes we've talked about. Um, but what else? What else would you say like sets God apart from us? What else makes him holy? Oh, um, just to pull one from the list, God alone is good. And that is just that's backed up by scripture in every way. Uh, Mark ten seventeen says, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, him being Christ, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, just <laughs> for all the people out there, Jesus is God. <laughs> um, so when he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus isn't saying that he's not God, but he's emphasizing the point that this man just called me good teacher. And if God alone is good, then Christ is also God because he is a good teacher. Um, but that's one. Uh, another one I can think of is his righteousness, that God alone is completely and totally righteous. And this goes for how God alone is good as well, where both of these definitions, like when we say that God alone is good, it's different than what we think. Because I'm like, hey, I'm a good person. I think I do like <laughs> stuff, more good stuff than I do bad stuff. And first of all, the Bible negates that um, where there is no one that is good. It says the word of God. But also when they say God alone is good, it just it goes back to his immutability, unchanging, just all across the board. Any and everything that God does is completely and totally good in its nature. And in the same way, God alone is righteous. So uh, Psalm 71, 16 uh, sorry, I'm using so much scripture. I don't want to bore people. Why out. would you ever apologize for using so <laughs> much scripture? That's true. I, Take read back. your Bibles. <laughs> yeah, everybody read your Bible. <laughs> um, Psalm 71, 16. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. So yours alone. Just that those two words that just indicate the fact that it is, God's righteousness yeah. is completely set apart from any righteousness that we might think we have. And the fact is, we are not capable of righteousness. It is only through... Imputed righteousness. Exactly. If you, if you haven't heard it, go back to Saint versus Sinner, um, one of our, our, our first episode, where we talk about the fact that the only way that we are capable of good, the only way that we are capable of attaining righteousness, which is the standard for entering heaven, the only way we get that is from God. We are dead in our sins prior to Christ, and... God saved us from that death and saved us from his wrath through his through giving us his righteousness. Um, Romans 3.10, right? As it is written. Oh, would you look at that? It's here. Yeah. <laughs> None is righteous. No, not one. Like the point is just made there that if God has righteousness as seen in Psalm 71, then by Paul's declaration that no one is righteous in Romans 3.10, then God is the only one who is righteous. So in the end, when scripture calls God holy, it is speaking to the fact that he is he alone is perfect in all things everything he does is perfect and good and righteous and um, just one of the just to end off this <laughs> this holiness part RC Sproul gives another great quote where he says 
the Bible doesn't say that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wise, 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 or just, just, just. Which he is. Which he is. He is all these things. Or wrath, wrath, wrath. And God does have wrath. But the Bible does say that God is holy, holy, holy. So this is one of the big, it's not more important than the others because all the other ones are very important as well. But this attribute is setting a great foundation for anything else that you want to study about God. Just understanding first that everything that he does is perfect and good. Right. And again, like while the passages that you listed like are open to further study, like I would highly recommend still studying or finding other sermons that talk about um, God's holiness. Absolutely. But um, the other ones that we want to talk about um, that also I think help encompass and summarize his character are um, often called the three O's. So omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, so all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. Um, and so the thing to understand is that the only way that God can be each one of these three is if he's eternal. So since he is eternal, since he is infinite, which was another one of the attributes, then he can be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. So how do we even know that he's eternal in the first place? Um, well, we can see it once again, ad fontes, all over the Bible. So not even in like one part, you can see his eternality all over the place, right? And in John two, Jesus declares his resurrection before he was even arrested. Mic drop. He just like prophesied something. And then in Matthew 21, Jesus sends the disciples out to bring him a donkey. And in the passage, like Christ describes the situation perfectly. He's like, you're going to go into the city and then you're going to find this donkey that's alone. And then if somebody asks you, oh, what are you doing with that? They say, oh, the, you just respond. The Lord has need of it. And it happens exactly the way that he says it's going to happen. Um, and that's just in the New Testament. Right. So I said it's all over the Bible. So for some Old Testament examples, right, the books of the prophets are all speak of Christ and his sacrifice. And the books of the prophets also talk about the end times, right? In Jeremiah, the prophet describes um, God's coming judgments on, all, on several nations and everything like that. And they're all, again, reiterated in Revelation and stuff like this. So you can just see the... Or fulfilled in the New Testament or in Christ's coming. Exactly, yeah, or fulfilled. So I mean, you can see just just the complete reliability that we can have on God because of his eternality. And then on top of that, in just one last example, sorry, but in Genesis three, right? God promises to make a nation out of Abraham and he does it. Yeah. Like it's just, there's no way to negate the fact that he kept that promise. Yeah. And I think all of that speaks to his omniscience, right? He knows everything. And from an apologetics like perspective, why would you believe in a God that is, limited in mm -hmm. knowledge right right why would i pray and worship an entity or a being that was at a capacity it was limited just like me if i'm like oh please help me with this problem i don't know i don't understand what's going on and then that entity is like yeah me either like that's <laughs> not encouraging and it's also revealing of his limitations right. like god does, is not limited in that way he knows everything um and he's also unlimited in his power and this is like a huge one. Um, and it begins with the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1, God speaks the universe into existence. Take that one in for just a yeah. second. <laughs> like, just close your eyes. God speaks the universe into existence. 
And to this day, the way that life works is according to his plan. He is still powerful today. Um, and he, I mean, in the Old Testament, he fed the Israelites in the desert from the sky, right? So this is not a common way that anyone has ever gotten food. Um, he has ravens because he has power over all creation because he created it. Um, with his words, he had ravens feed the prophet Elijah when he's in the wilderness. Um, in Romans one twenty, it says that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So in this verse, it's talking about how God's creation is a clear testament to his power. And as someone who is in love with science, it is so true. From studying things that you might think are boring, from like the chemistry of photosynthesis in plants, to the things that are like wildly amazing to how like the digestive system works in a human body. These are all wonderful, intricate, intimate examples of how powerful God is if he spoke all of these things into existence. Right. And I think that... God, by being all-powerful, can do anything, anywhere. And that links perfectly into the fact that he is omnipresent, that he is present everywhere all at the same time. And, um, I mean, the Proverbs speak on this in chapter 15. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Proverbs 15.3. Like, can't really escape that one, my man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he's really, he really is everywhere, right? And um, Psalm 139.8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, mm. you are there. And, I mean, it just blows my mind, right, that wherever I am, I am going to fly like three hours to Florida in two months, and he's going to be down there too, you know? Like, everywhere that we are, God has always been there and you know that song oh can't remember the name of it where give me something give me a beat i don't know the beat i'll what? just i just think i know the words okay, <laughs> when he's they say like you're in front of me behind me and beside me but Are i you don't talking about the god of the god of angel armies is always by my side you know what i don't know but that one works I too <laughs> <don't know either. laughs> but i mean just it's evident in the fact that because God is alive today and that because God is working and that because all of creation relies on him on, and on his everlasting power, that he must be just logically, he must be everywhere mm -hmm. if he is all powerful. And if everything relies on him, he must be with everything. Therefore, God is everywhere. Um, and so lastly, in Luke 3, when Jesus is baptized and all three persons of the Trinity come together. That's one part that just, uh, that's just one example that I can think of where all these three, the three persons of the Trinity are together at one moment. And Which yet is God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, um, but even as they are all there, they are also everywhere else. And mm -hmm. as trippy as that is, how awesome is our God because that because of how omnipotent and how omniscient and how omnipresent he is. And if we understand like all of the attributes that we've listed and more, like if we 
completely devote ourselves as we're supposed to to studying who God is and understanding his character and his nature and his attributes um, this should radically shift how we continue to pursue biblical knowledge how we continue to live our lives from day to day um, and back to what you said in Ephesians 5 1 imitate him therefore be imitators of God we are commanded to imitate him so we just described a couple of attributes that he has and guess what? We're all called to follow and have those attributes as right. well. We're called to show mercy and grace. We're actually called to be holy, like set apart from everybody else. So everything that we've listed, okay, well, we haven't been called to be omnipresent, <laughs> omnipotent. Right. <laughs> but um, all of these attributes, if we understand them, they should still change how we interact with God and therefore interact with others and just live. So whether it's like when we're going through tough times, when we're going through trials, um, we can't and we shouldn't blame him because we should remember that God is all good and he alone is good. So, um, you know, James talks about how all perfect things come from him. So can't blame him. Um, but instead, we can actually depend on him because he is faithful and always faithful because he's immutable so he doesn't change so he's always going to be faithful and then we should also trust in him because he is omnipotent he does have all of the power so if i'm going through something and hello i'm a type a person who's always stressed out i'm always going through something instead of blaming or you know looking for someone to blame or just feeling down i should instead be depending completely on him and trusting on him and then also trusting that he has the power to help me get through whatever this tough time is. Right. Um, we should also be able to confess our sin and commit to being intimate with him because he's omnipresent. I mean, if you read Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch of the evil and the good. So he sees everything that you do um, from the stuff that you think nobody knows about, from the stuff that's in your head that you think no one can hear you say because you've never said it, um, to the things that you do actually do in front of other people. He God has seen knows. it all. Yep. And so that, while it might seem like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy or it's creepy, instead that's so relieving. I'm not carrying this weight like, oh my gosh, no one knows this. Oh my gosh, I can't really spill the secret because that's so embarrassing and I'm going to have so much shame and guilt. I should be like, oh. Thankfully, God already saw me mess up. So, hey, Lord, this is what I did today. And I can be able to confess my sins freely to him. And then on top of that, create that intimacy with him where I can have a relationship with him. It's not just studying his nature, but it's also including that study of who he is into my interactions with him. Right. And I think that's what leads us to worship him correctly, right? When we understand right. who he like is. Yeah, and also, just one last thing, I'll let you keep going. Uh, no, go the fact that, you know, we are so broken and that Christ is who makes us whole. And the only way that Christ could make us whole is if he is whole himself. So seeing that contrast between us as broken people who have sin and guilt and shame and pain and fear and anxiety and depression and all these things, and God who is completely and totally good and loves us, I mean that just reflects so much on how great he is. Yeah. And, and so our response shouldn't be fear. And right. I mean, that's biblical as well. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he mm -hmm. gave us a spirit of power. And so instead of responding to things in fear, which we do a lot, instead of responding to a global pandemic, instead of responding to 
layoffs at our jobs instead of responding to our parents figuring out that we dented a tire or something in someone's car <coughs> that hit home all right uh-huh. you, don't, you don't have to do that <laughs> that hit a little close to home <laughs> instead of having all of this fear all the time we should be praising him he already knows what happened he's always been in control he is still loving even though he knows what's happened so hallelujah you should have no other response but to throw your hands up and praise him right and, I mean, that comes to everything. Like you were saying, like, when I'm confused about what I'm supposed to do or if I am being tested and someone's asking me a question about my faith or if I'm being tempted with that same thing that keeps tempting me no matter how old I get or if even in moments of celebration something great happens and I'm like, woohoo, I did this, I should be sprinting back to the word. I should be sprinting back and see what does this reflect about who God is and how can I continue to praise him in this moment. And how can I thank him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't think, I know for sure, <laughs> and the Bible tells me so, um, <laughs> that once you study and just understand and know who he really is, right, be still and know that I am God, once you do that and you taste how sweet he is, you can't help but want more. He is just so good and devoting yourself to just reading the scripture and being intimately connected with him and understanding truly who he is is something that should radically change your heart and just praise should come out of you. And you're honestly going to want more of it. It gives you that peace that is beyond all understanding. Um, So on that note, I actually have three songs. Oh, that (laughs) Well, you kind of helped me the two of them so i really i'm really just contributing one we might have to start patenting and like i know well these are shout outs no 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 (laughs) i am uh, shouting these out so um this one i thought of it's called it's a wonder just to know you and it's by people and songs and this is just a worship song that just describes and it's just talking to the lord it is wonderful just to know who you are period um, and then the next one that, um, this is a band that Samuel and I really like, not really together anymore, but, um, <laughs> it's called Know You More, that's the name of the song, by the band Rivers and Robots. And again, just describing getting to know the Lord more and the benefits of it. And that album that that song is on is just all about describing God. There's another song called Author and Perfector. It's Call mm. Your Name. Like all these songs that just describe the gloriousness of yeah, who God is. We miss those attributes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one, which is kind of not a song, but um, it is the intro to an album. It's called Doxology Intro by Shy Lin. And this one, again, just talks about on the balance of theology and how it leads into doxology. So, again, the balance of knowing who God is and how that should lead you into praising him. Right. So I hope you guys check these songs out. Thanks for listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at RITVine. And remember, you bear fruit by remaining in the vine.